you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Special thanks to our friends at S2 Cognition. It's about swing decisions. We want to be really good at swinging at strikes and taking balls. And if you believe that that is uh, one of the keys to uh, having success hitting a baseball, number one, you're right. That is that is very true. And number two, if you want to be better at it, the guys at S2, uh, just it's incredible stuff. So uh, thanks to them. Uh, I am joined by two incredible humans, the great shooter Jay Hunt, the great David J. Seifert. And, uh, you know, again, we're going to talk about recruiting classes in this episode. Shooter, you've, you are on the ground. Like you are boots on the ground for us. You are in the weeds on this recruiting stuff. Uh, you've got a great perspective. You grew up on the East Coast. Uh, you went to college in the South. You know, you went to Virginia. Then when you went to Tulane, so you saw the Southeast. You're now a West Coast guy. So you really give us a national perspective. And I think, you know, Saif, I'm always curious in your look at this stuff. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to start with a question for you because you've been on the scouting side and you've been on the coaching side, you know, as a Division One head coach. And, and I, I this is where I want to start, you guys. I remember being a college assistant coach and on signing day, just being thrilled because this this long, arduous recruiting process is, you know, now you have something tangible that shows the fruits of your labor, right? Like you, you have this momentary exhale. I remember as a college coach, Thanksgiving being one of my favorite holidays because there was no camps and because you, you still are riding the highs of that recruiting class you put together. But in the back of your mind, you knew that you hadn't done anything yet, right? Like, it's not about the class you sign. Now, of course, my dad would be fired up about the ranking that that class would generate. But you knew, like, it's who makes it to campus. So, Saif, here's my question for you. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, th this piece, by the way, if you're listening to my voice, Shooter wrote a great piece on this, just an absolutely awesome piece. It's on the D1 baseball website. November 9th is when the piece ran on recruiting rankings. If you're a college baseball fan, must read. This is a must read for you because uh, we know recruiting is the lifeblood of college baseball. It, it is. You win the draft and you're going to have good teams. You lose the draft and you could have problems. So, Saif, here's my question. You scouted after you coached. Knowing what what you learned as a scout, would you recruit any differently as far as like types of players you would target, knowing that 
signing a kid who signs professional out of high school, you're always happy for the kid, but that doesn't help your program any. Would you, would you, does, does that lens that you had as a cross checker and as a scout with the Phillies change how you would have recruited high school players? Um, I always believe that you recruit kind of a mix. I mean, you want your high ceiling guys, you know, the guys like, hey, man, he could be really good in two years with development. You always want your now players, you know what I mean? Your, your, your guy is going to go out there from day one as a freshman, you know, he's physically mature. He, he puts the bat in the ball right now. He can make the plays. Um, and then you want most guys kind of in between that. We're like, hey, you know, he can develop as a freshman and start as a sophomore. So I always believe there was there was a mix uh, of players that you needed for your recruiting class. Um, and I was at Evansville, and we didn't really have – I mean, I guess the best class that I led was my first year there. I believe we were ranked actually the 22nd best class in the country um and we did one we did lose a canadian right-hand pitcher from that class but uh um so i'm not i wasn't blessed to be at the sec where like half your recruiting class like the teams we're going to talk about you know are going to could likely their top three round talents or first round talent so i wasn't in that situation but to answer your question i just believe in a mix like you have to have your now guys your guys that could be really really good because the the attrition rate or the not working rate on, on those guys is pretty high um and then you know you're the majority of your class needs to be somewhat right in the middle where it's like, Hey, yeah, he's going to be a pretty good player and it's not too far off. Yeah. It's so tricky, right? Cause the draft yeah. is unpredictable and you know, every family is in a different place and yeah, it's, it's just uh man recruiting a, a college baseball roster is so tricky. And the money's so, so different now. I mean, the money's so yeah. different now, like the Canadian right-handed pitcher we lost to the Seattle Mariners and that this was in 2005, call it 2006. He signed for 150. Like, I don't know what high school pitcher signing for 150 these days, but just at different times. I mean, he's now a 750 guy or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It's just yeah. the, the money is. About yeah, 20 money. Rounds. I'm sorry, went from 50 to 40. One year, five, one year, five rounds, you know, and now, now 20 rounds. So it's just a different landscape altogether. Yeah, yeah. I I had a college coach who that that was um kind of trying to get used to the new recruiting rules. You know, where you're recruiting players later, and he commented that he just feels like if you if you're the college coach and you can't you can't build the relationship earlier, then you're gonna lose more players in the draft. And and I I just disagreed with that because to me it's like the money is so immense now. Like the families either in for that or they're not like it's it's almost like major league baseball the, the orgs control it right because they have so much money at their disposal in the draft it's like if they if they want the player they're getting the player it, it, you know unless the family's just completely predisposed to go to college so i i, I i'm oversimplifying that but it's no, uh, that's, that's that's a really good explanation i think too like um, we had one scouting director when I was with the Phillies. That he he didn't understand that some people just don't want to play pro ball. Like they right. want to go to college. He just couldn't get that through the head, his head with all the money and all the resources and, and paying for the college with the college scholarship plan. Like still, some kids just didn't want to go right into pro ball when they're 18 years old. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the money, the money is just huge these days. And like I said, the landscape has really changed from when I was in there because I'm backdating myself. Like, you know, like when you coach, right? we're recruiting guys that were entering their senior in high school, right? Guys didn't sign until they're the fall of their senior year. You know, that's where we're in now, but like shooter, he's, he's up to date with everything. Guys are declaring their freshman year. I think that's supposed to be going away now with the new rules and everything else. But uh, yeah, it's, it's different times, maybe different, different times. times. 
Yep. All right. So, so this is something that is that's taken us back to olden times. Shooter is that when you look at these recruiting classes right now, like I would say, and and I'm going to defer to your expertise, but I would mm-hmm. say that LSU, this class of 2024 that they just signed, this is a historic class. I mean, it, it's almost comical how good this class is. Like I can't remember a class this lopsided, like this dominant. You think that's a fair comment? It is, but like. I, there, we don't put rankings on these this early because it's ridiculous because you'll lose guys. And I will say like Vanderbilt had an amazing class a couple of years ago and they, I think they had five first rounders, maybe six of the first 35 picks on paper a year before the draft. They looked like the historic a year later, it looks like a non-factor. So that that's what can happen in a hurry. And LSU is definitely has that. Um, now they've done some different things. Obviously they have national cha- championship to hang their hat on. But Jay Johnson is one of the best recruiters in the country, if not the best recruiter in the country. And what he's done well, where a lot of coaches fall into some trouble, once you get in these big jobs, one, you have to be able to say no. Like you have to, everybody wants to come to LSU. You got to be able to evaluate and say, this is what we want here. He's gotten the best guys at the top. He's gotten the best guys in the middle and he's gotten the best depth pieces. <laughs> so that, mm-hmm. that's what LSU has done well. So it's almost not fair to be at that type of program, recruit at that level, and evaluate at that level. That's something that's rarely seen, and that's what LSU is doing right now. Yeah, Jay is like he he's this is a a, a very aggressive comp, but to me he's becoming like a Nick Saban for college mm-hmm. baseball, where like his assistants are going to keep churning because he's the, the LSU program's so dynamic right now. He's going to keep losing coaches to head coaching positions. I mean, he's already lost Dan Fitzgerald to a head job, Jason Kelly to a head job, Wes Johnson to a head job. You know, now he gets Nate Yeski. It, you know, it's it's going to keep happening to him. Uh, and that's the greatest compliment anyone could pay him. But let me let me ask you this, Shooter. So, so I, I, I'm going to get to this question in a second. Here's what's interesting. One of the shames of the LSU class is that it's so crazy good. It's overshadowing a Tennessee class that I think is also incredible. And really, in like LSU, we can see where they're going to have the number one recruited class in the country. It's a great home state. They're a national brand, et cetera. Tennessee doing this is they're like the new money, right? Like they're the new kid on the block, but I, like they are recruiting so much depth in their programs. I made a joke. I said that LSU and, and Tennessee need AAA teams right now. They are so loaded, but I'll tell you, I, I want to pay a compliment to Jay Johnson and Tony Vitello, Jay Johnson. And he was good at this at Arizona too. He keeps the bottom of his roster alive better than anyone. You know, look at their run last year. Like some of those those kids that weren't playing are hu- playing huge roles at the end. And Tennessee, you know, like they they have kids, w- good players who are waiting to play with mm-hmm. a smile on their face. Like like I- I'm all in on this program, and I will wait my turn. The the opportunity. I actually talked to Jay Johnson about that just because there's so many mouths to feed. Right, only one ball, nine spots. And even a guy, it, it, actually, the specific conversation was about Thatcher Hurt because he scuffled early. And mm-hmm. when you're scuffling in the box and everybody's kind of going against you, it's not easy. They stayed with him, and he's out there to win the national title. So um, they did a great job there. But you, you said Tony there at Tennessee, and he definitely ruffled some feathers, <coughs> excuse me, going in uh, to the SEC. But I think people lose track of the fact just how good he was as a recruiter. Yes. I mean, at, at Arkansas, TCU, Missouri, leading those programs and getting those guys. I don't know if there's a better evaluator in college baseball than Tony Vitello. Still works just as hard as he did when he was 
a volley or a, a recruiting coordinator, even as a head coach. He's coast to coast. That guy is everywhere and he is on top of things. Um, so which is why they're able to bring in some talent like this. I think they do do a great job of identifying early, hey, this kid's going to be good. And even when the kid's not famous yet as a 15-year-old, we do our rankings and we're, we're diving into all sorts of that stuff. But a lot of times internally for us, it's like, hey, we really like this kid. He's going to be good. Tennessee commits those guys who are going to be good. And then all of a sudden at 17, junior year, going to that junior summer, all of a sudden we're, we're looking at this guy as a potential day one guy. So their ability to do that and find those quote unquote hidden gems is something that Tony Vitello and Josh Lander and even Frank Anderson do a great job of doing at Tennessee. Yep. All right. So shooter, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to then ask safe a question. So you have a chance to gather yourself. Okay. So here's your question. Your question is I'm an LSU fan and I'm also a Tennessee baseball fan. And these I'm, I'm, I'm two different humans, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm Mike Rooney and I'm Rooney Mike. All right. So Mike Rooney is an LSU fan. I want you to give me one player in this recruiting class that you think I could start to get excited about because there's a pretty good chance, not a hundred percent, but there's at least a 65% chance that I'm getting to school. All right. So not just the sexy names. Um, if you want to mention a couple of them, that's okay. But some of them are kind of like no chance they're getting to school unless they like break their hand this spring. But who's a player that you think is probably getting, to, it's more likely than not that he's getting to campus um, for LSU and for Tennessee. So mull that over. Um, th those are your two questions. Saif, when Shooter was just talking, one of the things I just thought about, if I'm an athletic director and I want you to fact, I want you to kind of mind check me here. If I'm an athletic director and I want to hire a baseball coach and I recruiting is really important to me, like I think that my program needs to be better in recruiting baseball players. Why am I not asking scouts like, hey, professional baseball scouts, like who are the coaches that you see out there that are really good at recruiting? Do, do you think that's a fair? I mean, are athletic directors going to take the time to do that. Of course, they're not. They're too busy. I get that. That's not a criticism. Their, their lives are crazy busy. But. Like, I would imagine, Sife, scouts really know who the good recruiters are. Is that, is that fair? Well, I think Shooter kind of alluded to it earlier. He didn't really in, in this direct correlation, like I'm about to say, but like Vitello is really good at recruiting because he's everywhere. It kind of goes hand in hand, right? The more you do something, the better you get at it, as long as you have a certain level of competency. Don't get me wrong, but like Vitello is really good at recruiting because he's really good at scouting and he's really, really good at both because. He's out doing it. So Hustles. to me, if you go talk to scouts, it, it's more of a matter of, okay, who, who are we looking for here? Just pick the guy that's everywhere, right? Yeah. Pick, pick the guy that you see at every event. So, and there's, there's a lot of them. Um, and then that's your pool. And then just narrow it down for there. Obviously you have to be, have really good social skills, people skills. But to me, if you're starting as an athletic director and you want a, a, a medium long list, whatever you want to call it, Go find 25 guys that are everywhere. And, you know, yep. the Mike Seriani's from Nebraska. He's he's first in my mind. Um, and he, I'm blanking on uh, – He's gosh, I always blank on names. You know this. But there's <laughs> – you give me a few minutes um, just to go over those. I mean, those guys are everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're the next – you know, they're yep. the next guy for me, at least if you want a new guy, if you're not trying to retread, you know, somebody yep. who's had success in previous head coaching stints. But – those are the guys you want to at least interview just to yeah. see what else is behind, you know, what else is going on in their mind. And what else, what also is interesting about Tony Vitello is that, you know, his dad is a hall of fame high school coach in, in, in St. Louis. And 
Tony is a way like he was so dynamic as a recruiter that I think I just carried that reputation forward. It's like, okay, he's a recruiter that's going to have to figure out how to be a head coach. He's been a brilliant head coach. Like he's handled controversy. He's actually drummed up controversy, I think, to the benefit of his program. Like he, he has been an exceptionally good head coach, like like kind of like natural instincts for it that I, I didn't see coming. I mean, he, he's really good. All right, Shooter, do you have two players for, for my fan bases here? I do. And what's interesting with LSU, and I'm sure all their fans will be like, we have Cam Johnson on campus. He was the number one player to get to campus. I think he was 96, 97 last weekend from the left side. We were not expecting it, looking at him as a potential first rounder. So there is nothing LSU cannot do right now to get a prospect to campus. Um, and they have some really good good ones. I'll go with an in-state kid, though, a shortstop that Sife loved. Kid named oh, Mikey man. Ryan. Shooter. I was going to Mikey say, Ryan. I was going to follow you up with his name, but it's all yours. You know these guys way better than me. But um, it, it's a little bit easier because in-state, I mean, LSU, that's the Yankees in, in yeah. the state of Louisiana. Yeah. And that purple and gold, just the attraction to go to the box there, it pains me to say it as a Tulane alum. <laughs> um, it, it's going to be tough for him not to go from the Catholic League of New Orleans to LSU, and he can really pick it. Um, hoping to see him at our Super 60 in February, but he's a really good player that I know they'll get behind, especially as an in-state kid there at LSU. Say that name, uh, Shooter. Who's it? Mikey Ryan. Archbishop Mikey Ryan. Rummel. Rummel High School. What do you got on him, Sife? What do you got on Mikey Ryan? Well, Shooter nailed him the defensive, but I, I was I would East Coast Pro for, what, three or four days, and I didn't melt too bad in the sun, but – Mikey Ryan, I, I don't think uh, he's not. He wasn't a really super high ranked guy going into the East Coast Pro shooter. Tell me if I'm wrong there. Top hundred, um, top hundred, but he wasn't like this elite dude or whatever. But um, he can hit. I love the balance in his box. He's strong. He's short to the ball. I mean, he's just a baseball player too. So there's there's that there's that guy I was talking about earlier, like that middle guy. Like he's he's the guy that you need to develop a little bit, but not a lot of it. And he's gonna be a dude. So. Um, yeah, I just really impressed with his base, just his baseball ability, his bat to ball ability. Um, very impressive player, and, and I'm with Shooter too. Like, if there's one guy that's going to end up on campus in Baton Rouge, it's a Louisiana kid. So when you're looking yeah. at Louisiana kids too, a lot of times in state, you're looking for bats and speed, and the glove is usually not quite as strong. He kind of bucks that trend, and he's got a chance to really stick at shortstop. Yeah, he's a six five runner too. So um, yeah. everybody can run Louisiana, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Football speed. And, you know, like, like you, I mean, we know Jay Johnson's got West Coast, West Coast roots and, you know, they've got uh, the best player in Arizona, Cam Ken, Caminetti's in that class. And then three players from California. I mean, there's just no place they can't go. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible class. I mean, they, Jay, it, it will get pilfered, but it's an incredible class. Jay's really opened up the West Coast to the SEC, which, is, is definitely going to have some effect on the West Coast schools, but the SEC, it's now an open market in California and Arizona. Yeah, I think not to, to take us down a rabbit hole, but like if I'm a West Coast school right now, of course, I'm going to fight for those players through the initial recruiting process. But I'm also going to stay very friendly with them because, you know, like not, hey, some kids will be homesick. Some kids just aren't, aren't going to want to wait to play. You know, like if I'm a West Coast school, I've got to be ready to welcome those kids home with open arms because they can't all play at um at L, you know, they, they, they just, you know, they're, they're, they're either going to have to be very patient to play or, you know, maybe they're, you know, it's, it's going to be like a Josh Hatcher a couple of years ago in Mississippi state where mm -hmm. he ends up going to Kennesaw state to really fully actualize um, Shane Lewis. Gosh, that's another one, you know, think about Troy, it, 
you know, really had to, to, to find the right home for him. So, all right, what do you got for Tennessee shooter? I mean, there's a lot on here that I like and I think could get to campus, but I'll go actually with, you talked about Tony having that St. Louis roots in, in Missouri, a uh, kid named Trey Snyder, who's an infielder, which I swear every, every time we talk internally, I'm like, we, we're always, we love this kid so much. And I feel like we're always low on him in rankings for some reason. Um, but everything about Tennessee, he's got the the confidence, the aura, um, but it, it's not cocky. It's, it, it is just that confident you expect him to get a hit and there's a lot more flashier tools that I saw in the summer circuit where, Oh, super high ceiling. But when it comes down to it, you take Trey Snyder to go up and get you a hit. Oh, we're in a big spot. We need something to happen here. Trey Snyder. He's probably going to play second offensive third baseman, maybe go out the left field. Um, but if they needed to, Tony could be like, go play shortstop Trey. And he's an athlete. You want to bet on that guy. I think he will get to campus. Uh, we'll see. They, they have a lot of talent here. So we'll see what happens. Yep. All right. So, so let me, I want to, I want to make us talk about a Tennessee recruit uh, shooter that if you're, if you're in this world, like he's probably one of your favorite players and uh, correct me if I mispronounce the name uh, shooter, but Ty Southacene. Is that how you say it? Southacene? Yep. Yeah. So he's a Vegas kid, um, you know, like plays with big personality. He's tiny. I mean, he's probably like five, eight, five, nine. He's strong. And he's, he's, I, I don't, I have not seen him be a burner, but he's not slow. Like he's, you know, he's just like a, a an undersized, really good, pretty toolsy player. So, uh, Shooter, I'm going to I'm gonna have you talk about him in a second. Saif, let me ask you a general question. I'm confused on the small guys, right? Like, like I, I think about Altuve, Nick Madrigal, Dustin Pedroia, Nick York, Kevin McGonigal was a big pick last year. Like, these guys are very small compared to what you actually see in the big leagues. Like I know that Altuve and, and Pedroia had great big league careers, right? I mean, uh, you know, like MVP type careers, but at the same time, like they are real unicorns. And I, I feel like professional baseball Sife has gotten v- way more open. I mean, you know, Pedroia was undrafted out of high school and then he's a, and Pedroia wasn't a first round pick. He's a 50th pick in his draft in 2004 do you think, Saif, that, that pro teams remain very, very open to these little guys? Or where are we in the spectrum of, hey, like, I'm willing to draft a guy very, very high, even though most of the big leagues are enormous? I think today the analytics have really helped mm. um, clear up a lot of the gray area. I mean, like, South Scene and Shooter, correct me any at any time, but, like, one attractive thing with him is he is smaller but he has high exit velocities. I mean, he has exit velocities on par with bigger, stronger, faster guys. Um, you, know, what you, you mentioned Madrigal before, right? Well, there's another guy at Oregon State. I know he's not really part of this podcast here, but there's a guy at Oregon State that plays second base. He's from Australia. He's going to go in the top five overall picks, most likely top 10. Travis worst Bazana. Base. Yeah. Yeah, Bazana. And he's not a real big guy, but now we can quantify – like, oh, he just hit that 112 off the bat. And then over the course of the season, you can see every ball he put in play, his exit velocity. So it can either prove you or disprove you based on this smaller guy. Because let's face it, it's about hitting the ball hard, right? Whether it's hitting the ball hard and over the fence or just hitting the hard ground ball that gets through the infield. And if you're hitting ground balls through the infield in high school or you know college baseball, that's one thing. But when I was first being trained as a scout, it's like, okay, don't just look to see – if you're grading their raw power, don't just look to see like, oh, they hit a home run. See how far they can hit it, how high they can hit it, and see how many 
basically one hop, two hop crown balls through the infield that are go through for base hits because that those are the guys that you want are going to grow into their power even more once they learn to lift and things like that. So um, again, South the scene, I think to my knowledge, he's a, he's a, he's a short, he, well, I know he is a shorter guy, but he has the X velocity. He has the pop. He has the hand strength and the bat speed. So I don't think there's a much concern about him. Then again, let's compare to Madrigal, even out of college, like, man, he gets on base, he doesn't swing and miss, but he doesn't hit the ball real hard. And that's 100% playing out today in his major league baseball career. Yep. Uh, Shooter. So uh, two part question, anything that you want to add on, on South the scene who is just super fun. And is there any chance he's getting to Knoxville? Well, well, I will say runes. We always say undersized is the new six, four. So make sure. (laughs) Um, But South the scene really does epitomize. And site talked about quantifying that stuff. We were at our uh, inaugural all American game and just the data sets and that ground force ability. And Bazana has that, which is exceptional, his ability to load up from the ground up. Um, Salicine, who it's, he's not going to run you a 6-4-60, that straight-ahead speed, but his ability to jump was something that stood out. He was heaps and bounds above guys on his athletic testing throughout that uh, three-day weekend there. But the, the thing about him, and which is probably the reason why we're, you're talking about him in the first place, a lot of guys want to be the best. Ty Salicine knows he's the best. He walks around the field. There's a coolness to the way. All the kids gravitate towards him. Uh, he's not going to be sped up. Oh, I got to perform for the scouts. It's more those scouts are here to see me. And nothing speeds him up, which the SEC will not scare him the least. I'd put it at 50-50 right now that he gets to campus. Um, he has performed for four years in, in high school. He'll get plenty of looks. But I'm, I'm sure guys will, like to Sife said, like how hard is he hitting the ball? Do we need to see more out of uh, college or, from him? Um you really want that guy to get to campus if you're a Vol fan. Yeah, there's no chance. I'm saying it's 10% chance he gets to campus. I want to say zero because he's, to your point, Shooter, he's got so much swagger and confidence. He's so good that he's a kid that, like, why, like, I could sell him on why I think he should go to college, but he would look me in the eyes and, and think, well, but I'm going to be in the big leagues in two and a half years. Like, I'm that good. Like, he's that confident. And I think those kids never go to college. Like, they're just, He's like, why would I delay my big league career? Yeah, and there's there's a full collection. I mean, we didn't even talk about an old old miss commit from the state of Arkansas, Slade Caldwell, who's got a chance to slide into that back back half of the first round. He measured in at I think five five and a half at uh, this past summer. So he's, he's got a chance awesome. to be a first rounder. It's a different game now. He hits the ball exceptionally hard and is on the barrel at all times. So that's sorry, old miss fans. <laughs> Yeah, he's a great player, too, that we'll never get to see in college baseball. Um, very good. Hey, uh, let's do this. Let me uh, let me uh, thank our friends at Pitch Logic. We're going to come back, and I want to take us around the country real quick, Shooter. Um, second uh, sponsor for this podcast is Pitch Logic. It's the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. That's PitchLogic.com for more info. Thanks again to our friends at PitchLogic. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You 
ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Uh, Shooter, so let's let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna go three distinct places with you. I saw Indiana in your write-up. That really jumped out at me because they've got a very good team. And they they really got after Kentucky and that Lexington regional last year. And I would argue they were a year early. I think this is the team that Jeff Mercer's got at Indiana that's got Omaha upside. But, man, they, they really got after it in Lexington last year. Tell us about Indiana's recruiting class. And, and you're, that kid, Devin Taylor, who we I, I adored him in high school. We really wanted to get him on the map a little bit more. Just was ready to get to school and you're seeing he's actually got a younger brother. It's really good right now, but Devin Taylor is a star in the making site. Get ready for him this year. Um, the, the big thing about their class and in recruiting in general, you go out the SEC guys, the PAC 12, can he run? Does he hit left-handed, right? That That's what most guys are looking for. Left-handed can run plays up the middle. Indiana's not scared to get a right-handed hitter who can just bang. So at some point those guys are in lineups and you can go through all these Omaha teams the past few years, the guys who have had successes, right-handed hitters are still valuable. <laughs> they do serve a purpose, um, especially with that cognitive ability and the ability to have that pitch recognition. This crew can really do it. Um, so that, that's what I love about them. Even though they're right-handed hitters, guys like Hogan Denny and, and Grant Hollister, who are less valuable positionally, but immensely valuable in a lineup. Um, and it, it's not only there. You go into the arms – that I posted. Brayton Thomas is one of the top left-handers in the country. Um, kind of had scuffled a little bit this summer, which may actually push him to campus, which would be huge. I think he could fit in on Friday night. Um, the guy that they're really going to want to get though is Griffin Tobias. He's a big right-hand, or not a big right-hander, two-way right-hander, shortstop who's kind of starting to shine on on the mound now. Big metrics winner, guy you want on the bump, who's not going to be scared to go into Lexington or into Auburn or into Gainesville and pitch. Uh, but I, I can't say enough about this class because they're big physical. You think back to those Chris Limonis teams that had those big guys, those, um, those tra Tracy teams that had the big guys, the Schwarber types, that's what type of dudes they're bringing in, in this class. Oh, I love it. Hey, Saif, let me ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to, and you can reroute me if you want here. You I'm, I'm naming you a, a big 10 head coach today. Like, right. I just named you 10 seconds ago. You're the new head coach of Rooney university, which is going to compete in the big 10. And we are located in Chicago land for lack of a better place. When Tracy Smith was the head coach at Indiana and now he's at Michigan, what I thought was really interesting is the, the overwhelming majority of their roster was like really athletic, physical kids from the Midwest. And then they'd sprinkle in a shortstop from the South and they'd sprinkle in some pitching from the South. So like they would go to baseball areas like San Diego, Texas, Florida, and get like, like a position that maybe is a little harder to fill from a kid that doesn't have the repetitions, like a couple arms shortstop. I'm thinking about maybe a catcher. Um, do you like that formula? Or if you're a big 10 head coach, you want to just really lock in on the Midwest, get those physical athletes and then just be patient and develop them. I think you kind of have to, I mean, just knowing the Midwest, the, those middle infielders, you know, that can really pick it and have a chance in the box or that frontline catcher or those big, arm, big arms, they get picked over pretty quickly um, in the Midwest. Now, with that all said, Wisconsin and Minnesota are becoming better and better every year at baseball. They're building more indoor facilities, they're getting better instruction, the travel programs are just growing and growing. And so, you know, the Gavin Luxes of the world, th those guys are, there's not one every year, but they're becoming a little bit more prominent. 
But as soon as those guys, but the same thing, those best guys get picked over real quick, you know, by the, by the Arizona States, LSUs, the the Miamis, Mm -hmm. wherever down South, they're in the SEC. They're in there. So they're gone pretty quick. So to answer your questions, yeah, I think you have to, you know, well, if I was in the Andy, you have to recruit your home state or Illinois, you have to recruit your home state and get the best possible you can in your home state. But you do have to go for your more skilled positions where those guys are. Um, <clears throat> there's less of them. So that's when you do go to California and just go out, scout somebody or just go out, recruit somebody on a California kid or a Texas kid or a Florida kid or or wherever it might be. Um, yep. Yes, yeah, so it, it's got to be a mix, just like anything. Like we were talking before, the guys you recruit have to be a mix between high ceiling, middle ceiling and in they are what they are, which is pretty good. I think everything really, really is a mix. With all that said, though, some places you're you're hamstrung by you you only have 11.7 scholarships or maybe just 10, and they're not all out of state. So many are in state, and your money goes yeah. further in state, things like that. And that's just different on each university. So it really depends what Big Ten university you're at, where you put me in the Chicagoland area. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to yeah, you got to recruit the right player, you got to evaluate them, but. It's also what your university allows you to do because 11.7 at the University of Illinois is not the same as 11.7 at Georgia. I mean, let's just face it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. or Vanderbilt or wherever. It's just not the same money. Yep. So I hear you safe saying if you've got the resources, balance your portfolio. I like balance that. That's, that's, yeah, that's Diversify, right. Diversify, Runes. Diversify, yes. Hey, um, shooter, I want to impress Shooter real quick. I'm sorry to back up yeah, here go for in it. a few minutes, but I want to impress Shooter. Shooter. I saw Griffin Tobias when he was a nine-year-old playing shortstop <laughs> indoors in January for his like local travel team. So I've got a little background. <laughs> We've got there some background. Go. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So Shooter, let me give you three schools. And then if you want to just kind of like when I read your, your piece, Clemson and Virginia stood out from the ACC as two schools that, you know, are really in a good place in recruiting. Like those are good classes and there's a good sense of self there on the West coast. UCSB jumped out at me. What, 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 you know, just some top line thoughts about those three recruiting classes. I would say at the top, like Virginia after the draft and once these guys get on campus, Virginia could be the number one class. If, if those guys, there's a way, that I think that these guys could get to campus and they could eventually be the number one heading into the year for newcomers. So just keep that in mind or as much talent as Tennessee and um, LSU are bringing in, Virginia is not far behind, especially depending on the signability. Um, but Caleb Bonimer and I'll circle or that's a kid from Michigan, right? Bonimer is the, yeah, is, Stud from Michigan, right? Signed to Virginia. Michigan, and it, it really attributes to the Kevin McMullen, obviously, has done a sensational job at the University of Virginia. They've been there, he and Coach O'Connor, for I think 20 plus years at this point. But what he does really good is identify that talent early. And this class, you can look through it and you're like, wow, Caleb Bonimer. And we saw him a couple years ago, good player, blue collar. You, it's the UVA, what you expect multi sport, blue collar, going to battle in the box just a gamer, you know, the Brandon Geyer type, he's going to lean in for something. Caleb Bonimer's gotten good in a hurry. And that that's something that Virginia has dominated kind of that mid-level where they're just below signability in that, that top 50 picks. And then they get them onto campus and those guys get better. Bonimer may have gotten too good too soon. So that that's one of those guys at the top, but he's an outstanding ball player. Obviously that blue collar, good kid from the state of Michigan. Um, Trey Gregory Alford is a big right-hander. 
Um, you're kind of seeing that it's Drew Dickinson, right? Drew Dickinson effect yeah. there at Virginia. Power arm from the state of Colorado. He's 6'5", 230. I mean, it's 95 to 98 with four pitches. I don't even know if Virginia's ever had an arm like that. Now, they've had a lot of good two-ways who have come in, smooth guys. This dude is frontline, SEC-ready, Friday night type. And they got him coming to Charlottesville. So he doesn't play in the strongest league in the state of Colorado. So there's a chance he gets there. He did some USA stuff. Um, so he's there. A kid like Will Kirk, where Coach Mack has dominated North Jersey and New Jersey in general um, with roots from there. Will Kirk is a left-hander who was outstanding all summer. I didn't think he'd make the jump like he did until he got to campus, but now we're talking about him in those top 75 picks. So this class in general, just, just the depth of it is outstanding. A lot of two, two way, two sport kids. Luke Dickerson's a big time hockey player, in New Jersey, um, who's also a big winner um, on the baseball field. So they have a lot of really good players. Uh, Tomas Valinkis, who was in our all American game. I could go on and on about this UVA class because when it comes down to it, even at, at Tennessee and LSU, you bring in six arms. Well, only one can pitch at a time. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the, the College World Series, what has succeeded, especially recently, you know, having that frontline guy who can go toe-to-toe, that Paul Skeens type, that Will Bednar type, um, the, 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 I'm mistaken, the, what's the lefty's name at Ole Miss? Uh, Hunter Elliott? Great. Hunter Elliott? Couple Hunter Elliott. Ago. So that guy who can go toe-to-toe, you may only want one. So a Trey Gregory Alford can really do that. So sorry I've gone on. I love this Virginia class. Um, but Clemson, very much in the same mix, coast-to-coast. Um, Eric Backage and, and the staff come in. It can be really hard to come into a new job and recruit because you have Tony Vitello and, and Jay Johnson who are three years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of SEC fans think that Firing guy and bringing in a new staff, oh, it'll be good. Well, you might be four or five years behind. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's just the fact. All, all the good players are done. Unless maybe you bring in a, an assistant who has some relationships, like Tony Vitello comes in. He has those recruiting relationships. I think some ADs have done a good job of hiring assistants like that. Um, you've seen West there at Georgia do a good job. Um, but Clemson's done a great job. They got a huge commitment out of T.P. Wentworth, a NorCal kid, three sports standout, QB1 basketball player um two-way guy on on the on the on the diamond left-handed pitcher he's about 6'4 210 um but th- they've done a really good job coming in late identifying that talent I, I keep talking about identify talent if you get good players you become good coaches that's, right. <laughs> that's just well how said. it goes <laughs> yeah well so said. Th- those two schools have done great Hey, anything significant about UCSB? I mean, they've been bringing good players to campus. I think they've got a type too. But what any what, what jumps out about that class? So the the thing about UCSB, and when we're talking internally, we give the Power Five lots of love, right? Everybody, Power Five, Power Five, Power Five. And Runes, you're on the West. You've been to the West Coast. The Big West is a Power Five. Mm-hmm. They are better than Power Fives. So I, I think just giving them that love and the respect of, hey, these guys are in Omaha almost every year. These guys are hosting. These guys have first rounders. Where is this coming from? Why are we giving so much attention to some of these other schools and not the Big West? You see Santa Barbara and Coach Checkets have just done it over and over again. So you're looking at this class and they have a kid named Jack Haverkamp, who is just a five-tool potential guy. It's electric bat speed. Um, the thing you worry about is you're in California. The scouts are no, not stupid. They live down in SoCal for a reason. There's a lot mm-hmm. of talent there. Um, so he'll get tons of looks there. Um, but even Anthony Shepler, who's a kid, a left-handed bat, who I don't think 
as many people nationally know about, but he's the type you go into the big West and, Oh, he was a seven, two runner. Okay. You don't want him in the PAC 12. That's fine. He'll just terrorize you for three years and then be a top 75 pick. Um, and, and then even a kid like Rowan Kelly, who just is banged everywhere. He just gets hits. Another guy who undersizes the new six, four gets hits at all time. And then shoot, especially recently, if you're thinking UCSB, it's arms. So the yeah. arms that are in this class are just like, somebody's going to be good. So they've done just such a sensational job there. Uh, Coach Jackets and that staff, just, just the metrics that they're looking at, the ability to find those vertical approach angles that are going to get those whiffs. Um, that's why we're betting on them. The Big West, don't don't lose sight of the Big West nationally, fella, everybody. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of good momentum in the Big West after a little bit of a, a step back. Um mm-hmm. But you, yeah, I'm 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 with you. The Big West is awesome, and Andrew Checkets is very like this is a brilliant head coach, like really really sharp guy. Hey, let let's wrap it with this, you guys. Hey, and by the way, if you're listening, check out Shooter's Piece. I mean, you're going to see Texas, Texas A&M, Auburn in there, Miami, Florida State, a lot of the usual suspects. A lot of really good classes, obviously. One thing I'm curious about, you guys are closer to the weeds than I am. So we have the new recruiting rules, the new calendar, if you will, where we're not verbally committing seventh eighth and ninth graders anymore technically the communication that's recruiting oriented does not start until junior year of high school um shooter i'll, I'll start with you and then sife anything any insights you have i think it's absolutely the right move um i i think that's indisputable i think there's no perfect recruiting system no matter what rules we have there's going to be angst right like it's it's there's no perfect recruiting system that just that that does not exist that's a unicorn but from your pers- perspective, Shooter, does it seem like um, it's working or it's a good thing? Or what's your take on the new the new changes? I would say it's definitely working. It's probably going to be a little bit of a slower drip. Um, but just seeing at our future games, which is the marquee event for uncommitted guys this past year, just coaches kind of sift into, I don't need to go watch these younger players and kind of have this arms race with all these guys. And I think the hope for the NCAA, at least for me, is that less mistakes will be made. Instead of rushing, you can identify that talent, but really get those evaluations in so there's less mistakes. Those mistakes then lead to the portal. They lead to decommitments. Um, I I think there is a positive uh, connotation to what's going on right now. Um, There's still going to be early recruiting. Those guys are going to be out at games. um, But until ink can get put to paper, there will be some commitments rolling out. Yep. Yep. Saif, how about you? What's your take on, I mean, it felt like a no brainer to me, but I'm not in the weeds anymore. So easy for me to say, but I just, man, the recruiting, like to me, I'll, I'll, I'll phrase the question with this, like just having 14 year old baseball players across the country, not feeling pressure to commit to a school and put it on Twitter that like, if that was the only game, I feel like that's a really important game. Yeah. I mean, obviously you guys shoot, especially knows way more than I on that, but I just like the, the theory of it, like no contact to your juniors, just cleans a lot of things up, just lessens the pressure, lessens everything. And then this is a different subject, but I, I you know, I've talked about this internally, like have a, have a roster, have a, have a maximum cap for your fall roster. And that will lead to even better things. When what, what shooter was talking about is less transfer portals, you know, less, just less guys decommitting, just more clarity and, and consistency in college baseball. If, if you combined the new recruiting calendar with a couple other small changes that would just really, I mean, there's no reason to play for three or four different colleges in your college career. I mean, I, I don't know, but you can yeah. 
call me old fashioned or whatever. I went to a junior college and a four year school. That's what I did. But like all of this bouncing around and maybe choosing a place that's above your level just to go there out of high school. I don't know. I just think with a roster cap combined with the new recruiting calendar, a couple other things that smarter people than I can, that, that will smart people than I will think of um, there, there needs to be more done. I just like that it adds to the competition, right? At the end of the day, college baseball is a competition and we're measuring things like the culture of your program, how you, how well you are as a coach at managing a game, how, how, how skilled you are at player development. Well, evaluation should be one of the things that is part of our competition. Right now, I worry that the rosters get to a size where evaluation doesn't even matter anymore because I'm just bringing in a zillion guys and then I figure it out. It's like I'm, I'm running a tryout. And I'm not saying that to be critical of anyone. Like, the rules are the rules and people are playing by the rules. Like, right. Like right. it's what mm-hmm. we're criticizing right now is the rule, not right. the, the, um, you know, the way people are, are running their rosters. So anyway, really, really um, it, very interesting gentlemen. This was awesome. I appreciate this. I feel much smarter about the incoming players. Uh, Ty South of scene. If you're listening, you are coming to campus. Don't, don't, I, unless you get a $10 million signing bonus, you need to go. <laughs> oh, Ty, I'm going to enjoy watching you in the Meyer legs. You are the best. He is so fun. Oh my gosh. We should pass the bucket to try and get him to college. Can we do like a national NIL? Here we go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like we did at Newtown Edgemont Little League. Uh, Shooter and Sife, I appreciate it. This was super fun. Um, everyone enjoy the rest of your week. Happy holidays. And we'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.